Welcome to an unplanned episode of Canary in a Coal Mine, your early warning station for all things crazy and insane coming soon to a city near you. Here's a perfect example of what's going on of cancel culture and censorship as we discuss what's going on with Joe and Hunter Biden and the censorship by Facebook and Twitter of the story of the New York Post exposing all the emails that show widespread corruption, allegedly. There brings up some serious questions we all have about cancel culture. Dory Monson is a talk show host in Seattle, radio talk show host in Seattle, and he's been on the air for years, long before I even moved to Seattle. He's been the voice of the Seahawks. He does the pregame and postgame of the Seahawks. And he was taken off the air two weeks ago with no warning, no nothing. And it seems to be because social justice warriors were upset about a tweet he sent and called it homophobic and transphobic and all that. It wasn't. And anybody who's listened to Dory's show will say this was one of the less extreme things he said. And I'm not going to repeat it because then they'll come gunning for me. But what he said was pretty tame in comparison. I don't know what they're upset about. Sometimes people get upset just because he hit too close to home on a certain comment. But with regards to what he said, I think activists were just looking for an excuse. They look for an excuse to throw people off the air. They look for an excuse to cancel people all the time. I decided to do a special episode because Dory is really the voice of the common man in Seattle. How do I mean by that? He has common guys on the show all the time. Common guys, common gals, people who he thinks make an interesting story or whose story needs to be heard. When, those of you who know my history, when the desecration was going on at the Jewish cemeteries by the homeless people in Seattle, the people living in RVs, the drug addicts in Seattle, the first person to have me on was Todd Herman, followed by Saul Spady, Jason Rance, and Dory had me on also. And Dory had me on a few times, and not just because he made a good story, but because he felt bad for what was happening and was trying to solve it. And we discussed solutions on Dory's show. I didn't want to put my radio friends in a bad situation of trying to stick up for their friend and possibly violate their contracts with Bonneville or 770 or Cairo and ask them on the show. I didn't want to do that to them, and I'm not going to do that to them. That's unfair. They have contracts. They have jobs. They have livelihoods they look need to look out for, and it wouldn't be fair to ask for their comment. And those of you who are pushing them, why haven't you stood up for Dory? Why haven't you stood up for Dory? It puts their livelihood at risk. Their employer says you can't bash the station or whatever it says in their contracts. It's not fair to ask them to do that. I'm sure they're doing whatever they can behind the scenes. I'm sure they're doing whatever they can in the station, which is why there is still the Dory Monson show. The show has not been removed. If the show gets removed and they stop having fill-in hosts, then you know you have a problem, which leads me to believe they're going to have them back at some point. They're just figuring out what form of penance will work for the social media brigade, social justice woke warrior brigade, which nothing will ever satisfy them. So that's an encouraging sign. But I thought it was important that somebody take this on, and I went to the people that are sticking up for Dory Monson, the common people, uh, for lack of a better word, who are sticking up for Dory Monson and who are looking to help him out. So we have a special show with them. I, of course, have a interesting connection with Dory Monson because of RVgate. For those of you who don't know what that is, it is probably the three best hours of radio you will ever hear. If you go look up the Dory Monson show from the day that an RV showed up in front of a Seattle City Council member's house and nobody knew what was going on, it is extremely entertaining. So I'm including an Old Canary episode segment right after my introduction, which will tell you what happened that day, the real story of what happened, Dory Monson's involvement, followed by the people who are trying to save Dory Monson. If you want to save Dory Monson, you can contact Cairo Radio. You can go in the Facebook group. There are lots of ways you can stick up for Dory Monson. I'm sure he appreciates all the efforts. And without further ado, please enjoy all the people trying to stick up for Dory Monson.
We're going to talk about elected officials targeting private citizens, using their positions of power, abusing their positions of power, and what's going on with the homeless situation in Seattle. As you may or may not know, this homeless situation in Seattle is out of control. It has grown exponentially in the last five years. Ten years ago, they said they were going to eradicate homelessness, and you know that whenever a politician says that, they're only going to make the problem worse. But let's go back and start from the very, very beginning. There are people who own recreational vehicles, RVs, and they live far away from Seattle where it's more affordable, where they can have more property. But what they do is they drive these RVs to their place of business, they park it outside, they live there Monday to Friday, then drive home on Friday for the weekend, spend the time with their family, then come back on Monday and live out of the RV. This has been going on for decades in commercial, industrial areas in Seattle, like the area where my office is. So there are laws in place that allow RVs to be on the streets in certain locations, and nobody ever really hassled them. But what happened was when the homeless situation blew up and grew exponentially and got out of control here in Seattle, you start having a different kind of person living in these RVs. What it was was people who are drug addicts, who have mental problems, and people who are using these RVs as a base of operating crime rings that break into neighboring businesses, that break into residences, and do other really bad things. There's even one near my office that for months looked like it was running child prostitution out of the RV. We called the cops many times, didn't seem to do anything. We had RVs that were breaking into my businesses that are taking, we still have ones that are taking gas out of my trucks. It's not even worth calling the police anymore because politicians have made this behavior normal. They leave them in place on the city streets and they do not enforce laws such as street legal, non-street legal. So for example, you'll drive down the street and you'll see these RVs without wheels, without engines, hooked up to generators on the street. And what happens is because these things are so poorly maintained, there have been incidents, many of them, not just one or two, where these things explode and damage nearby properties and damage and can almost kill people that are inside them. There was one near my office which exploded and they had ammunition inside and started going off and flying in every single direction. The people who were near my office, there were two RVs in particular, they were lined up against a shipping container. And items that I recognize from being stolen on Nextdoor or Ring when you see those videos or pictures, I'm missing my bike, I'm missing this, there was a stockpile, a cache of all that stuff behind these RVs being shielded by the shipping container, and I called the cops many, many times, but they can't enforce the law because they're stopped by elected officials. A radical judge in Seattle decided to cite the Homestead Act, which pretty much says nobody can kick you out of your own house, and decide to use that and apply it to the RVs on the streets. So now these things are legally people's residences, never mind the fact that they can be anywhere on city property, never mind the fact that they're committing crimes, they can stay there as long as we, they want. We had people park these things outside the Jewish cemeteries in Seattle. They hacked into the power. They hacked into the water. They were dropping their waste, dumping the waste onto the properties. They were going into the cemeteries at night and doing drugs, dealing drugs, running prostitution, and nobody could do anything about it. This is how out of control it gets. So business owners, homeowners, cemeteries, everybody is being terrorized by these RVs including the people who originally started traveling and commuting for work in these RVs, they no longer want to do it anymore because they're being victimized by these people and they're being given a bad name by these people who are committing crimes out of the RVs. The things that are happening are just reprehensible. Towing companies don't want to tow the RVs. One, they're not sure they can in certain situations. But two, there's no money to be made because nobody's going to pay them 
to get these things back. They're just going to end up selling them at auction for pennies on the dollar as opposed to what they spent actually towing these things. They are health hazards. They're disgusting. And they're not even good for scrap metal. Free market people got very clever with all this. We call them ranchers. What do they do? They buy the RVs at auction for pennies on the dollar. Then they tow them using rope and SUVs to wherever they want in Seattle and then rent them out to people who are down on their luck. That is how bad the situation has gotten here in Seattle. It is completely out of control, and of course, somebody's making money off it. They're actually making money off the people who are down on their luck, who do need a place to live, but they're also making money renting it to these criminals or to the drug dealers or to whoever else. And at least in my neighborhood, that's the majority of what I see every single day. That's your background information about how a city has completely failed and is not maintaining its own streets and is not enforcing the most basic laws about what can and cannot be on the streets. And as a result, people are suffering. Let's fast forward a little bit. In October of last year, I got so fed up with the RVs that were near the cemeteries and near my office that I sent a letter to city, Seattle City Council and to the mayor's office saying, if you don't do anything about this, I got a friend with a tow truck. I'm going to have him come. We're going to tow these RVs to each of your houses. Because what you'll notice about Seattle is you'll find these RVs all over the place, but you won't find them anywhere near a city council member's house. There was one in my neighborhood near a city council member's house gone like that, gone right away. And just a little sidebar, I've actually gone and spoken to some of the people in the RVs. There was one guy who was living near my house in one of these things. I went to talk to him. He was running a generator. I'm sorry, he was running a power line to a power box in a burned out house. And I went to speak to him. I said, what's the story? He goes, my house caught fire. I can't afford to rebuild it. And here's the RV I'm living in. I said, what about your insurance company? Oh, I can't work things out with them. I finally realized this guy had mental issues. I sent services down to help him out. He turned him down because anytime these people are offered help, they turn him down. According to the navigation team, which is Seattle's department, which is comprised of guys from waste management, police officers, social workers, they go out and talk to these people before they clear one of these encampments. 80%, over 80% of the people in these encampments refuse services. Something interestingly enough, according to the navigation team, 80% of the people in these encampments have a drug substance abuse problem. So stop calling it a homeless issue and let's call it what it actually is, a drug, alcohol, opioid problem, a mental health problem. Yes, there are people who are suffering, who don't have money and don't have a place to go, but they are the minority compared to the people out there on the streets. Let's focus in on this a little bit more. I send this email saying that if you guys don't do something about this, I am going to tow these RVs myself, and we're going to tow them to your houses. They they freaked out because they think I might actually do it. I was asked to come on several different local talk shows, including the Dory Monson show. I went on Dory's show, and we had a whole discussion about possibly doing this and we came to the conclusion that it'd be better to take a page from the ranchers and buy these things at auction and then tow those out to the city Seattle city council members houses because towing these things has a whole variety of problems you can run into one if somebody's inside and you harm them you're on the hook for that the damage you could do to it stolen property so it's better that we buy these things plus it's cheaper than a billboard to showcase the failures of Seattle policies that's what we decided. I told Dory I wasn't going to be in touch with them for a few days because it was the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur. Once that was over, we would game plan and figure out what to do with this. Okay, fine. I'm minding my own business. I'm in Sinigahug. According to observant Jewish tradition for Yom Kippur, the entire holiday, I am off the grid. No cell phone, no electronics, no email, 
nothing. You are in synagogue, you are praying, you are fasting. I was there for 25 hours doing what I do. Little did I know that the night the holiday began, somebody had, <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face, somebody had towed an RV to a city council member house named Lisa Herbold in West Seattle and left it there overnight. Well, let's take West Seattle for a minute. West Seattle has had a major RV problem. It's so bad, in fact, the area surrounding the West Seattle Health Club is covered with these RVs, and they're the bad kind of person who's living in them. One of them lost its brakes and went right through the West Seattle Health Club, causing hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage, went right into their pool area. Somebody could have been killed. It's a miracle nobody was. And yet, still, those things are sitting outside the West Seattle Health Club, and nobody's done anything to stop it. So... Lisa Herbold, the council member in question, doesn't actually live in West Seattle. She has a home in West Seattle that's listed in her name, but her husband has a home in North Bend, Seattle, which is a very nice neighborhood far away from here, which is where she seems to spend the majority of her time. Because when this thing showed up, she wasn't the one who got a picture of it. According to her, one of her neighbors took the picture. Now, where was she when this RV showed up? She wasn't home. She claimed she was at a meeting. Well, she sure spends a lot of time at the meetings in North Bend or wherever else they are, rather than being in her district, which she claims to represent. Okay. So that's what we have going on here. And what, <laughs> what happens next is just crazy. So somebody drops off this RV in front of Lisa Herbold's house. And immediately, Lisa Herbold assumes that I had something to do with it. And bloggers get wind of this through Lisa Herbal. They're communicating with each other. They're talking to each other through the neighbors. Not exactly sure who got when from where. Not sure what's going on. But these bloggers immediately start posting online, Ari Hoffman dropped an RV in front of Lisa Herbold's house like he said he was going to. It must be stolen property. He stole it from somebody. Dropped it off there. Lisa Herbold starts telling everybody Ari Hoffman did it. The Seattle Times gets wind of this. Starts calling around. And says, Ari Hoffman did this, and is Ari, did Ari Hoffman do this? Do you think he did this? Calls Dory Monson show and says, do you know anything about this? Now, Dory Monson's about to go on the air, so he sends a reporter named Carolyn Osorio down to the RV to find out what's going on. And Dory goes live on his show. And the three hours of his show that day are focused on who drops this RV in front of Lisa Herbold's house? One of Dory's listeners even comes down there and spray paints on the side, Dory for governor, listen every day, 97.3 FM on the side of this RV. It becomes a spectacle. Carolyn Osorio, the reporter, goes down there, starts checking the thing out. She looks inside the windows and sees that the thing is filled with garbage. And then she actually decides to enter the RV and start looking around because, like everybody else, she assumes this thing is one of these broken down, homeless, not homeless, but, you know, a thing that's running drugs or that's a crime or that's left behind because that's what you find all over Seattle. And she's reporting back to the Dory Monson show. Through her reporting, she finds out that there's actually a couple that lives inside this RV or actually... They don't really, but we'll come back to that in a second. So this whole spectacle is going on online, and nobody can get a hold of me, but even Dory Monson saying there's no way this was Ari Hoffman. He's an observant Jew. He's celebrating the holiday of Yom Kippur. This isn't happening. Dory's saying he didn't do it. So everybody's wondering who actually did this. We'll come back to who did this in a second. So me, I'm minding my own business in synagogue. I come home. I do what I normally do. We make the prayer that separates the two holidays from the regular day, and then I go and check my phone. Literally hundreds of missed calls. 
hundreds of emails, Facebook messages, texts, you name it. I'm wondering if something went wrong with my business. <laughs> it's just, I'm worried about what could have happened. And the first message I get is from the Seattle Times asking if I dropped this RV in front of Lisa Herbal's house. So I call him back right away. Little did I know the Seattle Times had already run multiple versions of this article without doing their due diligence of what actually happened because Carolyn Osorio, the reporter for Cairo, found out what actually happened. What actually happened is there is a family, and we'll just call them the dad, the daughter, and her boyfriend. So dad bought a trailer for his daughter and boyfriend to live in because she's expecting, and he's going to move them out to a property that he has somewhere, and they're going to live in the RV. He bought this thing used. It was filled with garbage when he bought it because he was probably going to do, he probably did what I was going to do where he bought it at auction for pennies on the dollar, or he says he bought it on Craigslist for next to nothing. Somebody just wanted it off their property. He bought it for them to live in. Okay, so this is what's going on. He doesn't have a job. Dad doesn't have a job. Boyfriend doesn't have a job. Daughter doesn't have a job. These are the people you're dealing with here. Dad lost his job, and daughter and boyfriend aren't working right now. Why aren't they working? Don't know. Couldn't tell you, but they're not working right now. One of the bloggers who started this whole mess by posting online that I did it, even though he knew very well I didn't because of the Jewish holiday. In fact, he even says he knew that I didn't in text that I got through public disclosure requests between him and the council member. He did a fundraiser for them. And you know what they did with the money that he was so kind to fundraise for them because they're just homeless people down on their luck, even though they're not? They told me they took the money and went to a dog breeder to buy dogs. So now it's daughter, boyfriend, dogs, baby on the way, living in a trailer. These people may have been products of their own making. I offered them jobs. I said, send me your resume. I'll try to help him help you out. The dad sent me his resume. It wasn't a good fit for my company, so I forwarded it out to a few people. I said, can you help this guy out? Daughter and boyfriend never sent me resumes. Golden opportunity. Had a job for them. Could have helped them out, possibly. But no, nothing. They took the money that was raised for them. They went to a dog breeder. I think it was German Shepherds. Plural, they wanted. Not just a dog. Okay. I don't know about you, me, but when I'm down on my luck, I don't start taking on other mouths to feed. I don't go getting my girlfriend, well, my wife or whatever, pregnant if I can't afford it. I got three kids. Kids are expensive. Think about these kind of things. You want to have a successful life? Graduate high school. Don't get mad. Don't, uh... Don't have kids out of wedlock. Very simple rules that everybody can follow, all right? Just keep it in your pants. Sorry if that offends you, but that's a practical thing to do. Moving on from there. So what happens? We find out Carolyn Osorio finds out all this information about this couple. It's not what everybody assumed. Lisa Herbold comes down. The council member comes down and wants to look like the hero. So she says, oh, you can park the RV in my driveway. Please, I'd love to have you stay here. You're just down on your luck. Except later we found out what actually happened. The night this thing towed in, Lisa Herbold was talking to this blogger. I have the entire text stream that I got through public disclosure request, blaming me for it, even though they were discussing that it may not be me because of the Jewish holiday. That didn't stop Lisa Herbold from texting the police chief in the middle of the night and saying, this thing was stolen, it was dropped in front of my house, and you need to arrest the guy responsible, namely me. Now, when these things are out front of my business, I can't get the police chief to deal with this right away. I don't have the number for the police chief. But Lisa Herbold had no problem ringing up the police chief and trying to solve this for herself. Now, if these are just our unsheltered neighbors who are just down on our luck, what's the problem? Who cares that there's an RV outside your house? Why did you call the police? But no, you abused your power. 
You called the police chief. I'm sorry. You texted the police chief to try and get the solve for yourself. You filled out a fraudulent police report, which claimed it was a political stunt when it wasn't. And then here's the interesting thing. After you offered this family to stay at your house, to have their RV on the street in front of your house, the Seattle Police Department towed it. You didn't stop that from happening. Meanwhile, Lisa Herbold, in emails that I got through public disclosure request, was actually using her staff to dra draft up media releases and responses to constituents on this issue, claiming it was a political stunt. Now, I'm very happy that Jason Rance on 770KTTH did a public disclosure request and got the text between Chief Carmen Best, Police Chief Carmen Best, and Lisa Herbold, because what's funny is the police chief didn't help her. First of all, she said, who is this? Which just cracks me up. <laughs> she didn't know who it was who was texting her. But second of all, she said you need to call the non-emergency line because that's proper policy and protocol. Use the Find It, Fix It app, this app they have to get rid of stuff. Or it's really meant for changing light bulbs that are out on city streets, but it's become deal with the city's homeless problem and drug problem. Or you can call the police non-emergency line. So the police chief is the only one who did the right thing here and backed away and said, no, you have to follow procedure and go forward. It's a good thing she didn't. Um, do any favors for Lisa Herbold, or she would have been in trouble also. So now you have a council member who is subjecting all of us to this RV insanity, all this crime on the streets, and who says, no, I don't have to follow the same rules as anybody else. Meanwhile, she is talking to this blogger. This blogger who spread this whole thing into the Twitterverse is a massive, massive anti-Semite. Not good for me because I'm Jewish. And he had no problem spreading this all over online, blaming me for this whole thing, even though in the text it shows that he knew that I may not be responsible because of the Jewish holiday. That's how you get a media spectacle. The Seattle Times jumped on top of this. Other news stations, other media outlets waited until they had all the facts to find out who this family was. Good thing for evening news. They wait till 5, 6 o'clock at night to run the news and find out what actually happened. Until then, they're just like, an RV has showed up. We don't know the details, but an RV has shown up. And this guy threatened to tell him there, we don't know what's going on. Seattle Times kept revising the same article again and again and again. In fact, the reporter called me the other day for comment on Lisa Herbold because here's what happened. Right after this happened in October, I filed an ethics violation against Lisa Herbold, saying that she had targeted me unfairly. Now, this happened back in October. The election was in November. She was in a contested election on, um, against somebody who was doing very well, who was in, had all the right endorsements. And the Elections Committee decided not to take it up at that time. They didn't take it up till January, February time, long after the election was over. When they did take it up, they didn't deal with any of the emails I sent them about her telling constituents I had something to do with it, that it was a political stunt. None of her texts between this blogger to target me, using her office to target me, nothing like that. Just the ones between her and the police chief were the ones that were the target of this inquiry. And she was found that she had committed the infraction and told she had to pay a fine. I went to the hearing yesterday. At the hearing yesterday, this was the quickest I've ever seen anything done because it was obvious they wanted this done and everything taken care of and swept out of the way so she can get back to business because they asked her to speak. She spoke for a minute. They did not ask me to speak. They did not offer me the opportunity to do so. And in doing so, they still kept blaming it on me for this political stunt, which is not what it was at all. It was just what happens in Seattle with people with these RVs dropping them wherever they want and thinking they can get away with it because right now they can.
So that's what happened. The council member was forced to pay a $500 fine. My name is forever linked to RVgate because I towed these RVs, allegedly, even though I didn't. And this family, we don't know what happened to them. I have not kept track of them. But they spent the money that was fundraised for them on German Shepherds. Didn't use it to get their life back on track. Spent it on dogs instead. This is what we're dealing with in Seattle. When they talk about the homeless problem, it's not a homeless problem. You can't deal with it unless you call it what it is. We are dealing with a drug abuse problem. The boyfriend had been in rehab. We're talking about people who have mental illness. We're talking about people living outside their means. We're talking about people who are not taking responsibility for their own actions. That is what led to this whole problem. A council member abusing their position by targeting private citizens like myself, like radio talk show hosts like Dory Monson, like reporters like Carolyn Osario, who lost her job because of all this, because she went to the RV and they needed a fall guy for all this. She got fired. Unfortunately, she's a great reporter. This is what happens when a council member starts talking to an anti-Semitic blogger. You know, when I was growing up, they would tell you, don't believe everything you read online. Why is it now everybody assumes that everything you see online is true? They don't look for the sponsor line. They don't treat anything with a grain of salt. It's absolutely ridiculous that they would think something like this is actually true. Council member was in coordination with a leftist extreme Antifa-supporting blogger. As I mentioned in my last episode, that is who is taking over the Democrat Party, which is very, very sad. They didn't help anybody in this case. They abused their power, and they are subjecting us to the rules they don't want to live under. They live out somewhere else, or they make sure the RVs are gone from in front of their houses, but our business is everything else is open game. This is unfortunate. If you want to hear more about things that are happening in Seattle that could soon be affecting your area, please remember to subscribe to our podcast. Please remember to give it a good rating on whatever platform you're listening to it, and don't say, I didn't warn you. Welcome back to Canary in a Coal Mine. I'm joined today by Matt Gilbert, who is trying to save a beloved talk show host in Seattle named Dory Monson. You might have heard of him. For those of you who don't live in Seattle, Dory Monson has been on Cairo 97.3 FM for years. He was the uh, pregame and postgame guy for the Seahawks and was removed last week very suddenly without any warning because of a tweet he sent out. Matt, thanks for so much for being with us today. Thank you, Ari. Glad to be here. So, what made you take up this cause? You don't work for the radio station. You're just a fan. What, what made you decide you want to start this Facebook group and start this campaign? Well, Dory is obviously, he's an institution in Seattle, and I am a huge fan. Um, if you're a fan of the show, I've been mentioned on it before. I'm probably, I like to think of myself as one inch away from probably like a restraining order uh, passionate about it. So I just... <laughs> It was one where I was like, you know, we have to do something because A, it's wrong. We could, I don't know if we want to discuss the politics of the tweet, but, but saving, but just trying to save Dory was important because he's an institution and it, for 25 years being on the air, he should not just come to a crashing halt where you're done. So that's pretty much why I was doing it. Let's get into the tweet for a little bit. 
I am a fan of the Dory Monson show. I listen whenever I'm in the car that time of day. I've been on the Dory Monson show, most notably when an RV showed up in front of council member Lisa Herbold's house and I got blamed for it while I was sitting in synagogue, but whatever, that's a whole nother story. We could probably spend an hour on that. Um, <laughs> oh, more, more than that. Right. <laughs> it was by Seattle media. So with regards to the tweet he sent, the exact tweet, people labeled it as homophobic, uh, as against transgender people. And I got to say, I read it and I didn't view it anything like that. And anybody who's listened to Dory's show, if you think that's bad, he's definitely said things far more extreme than that. So why is this the thing they got so upset about? Well, the, for the people, I think, A, it's in writing. Um, because obviously you could be like, because it's harder for people to listen to an audio clip. So it's like, here, look, he, he actually typed something out. Um, but yeah, I also did not find it offensive. I mean, there's, it's funny, Ari, there are people in this group who think this is deep and they're like investigating. I've been trying to hold that back on this group because my main focus right now is, um, just to get Dory back on the air. And once we get an answer of which way that's going to go, I'll let people be more free because right now the goal is to get Dory back. Um, but it it sounds like it, it was just like, they believe it was a hit job and they believe it's because there's people who are on Pride Council who are also deputy mayors of some cities around here. So they're like, oh, we're, this is definitely government related. Uh, some people believe it has Inslee involved because he thinks Culp did it. Um, I, I personally, cause, cause Culp is like, cause, cause Dory has Culp on the air. I personally, I, I just think it's just cause pride. I mean, it's pride. Pride does goes after when they see stuff like this, they don't just try to give people a, a friendly reminder. Hey, let's be better. They generally kind of, it'll be a little bit more swift. I mean, it is also odd that it happened on, I believe it, this was also like a gay pride game or something because like Seahawks had all their icons different. They just switched them out. So it is kind of odd that it did happen. Um, but I mean, there's always people who've been going after Dory. So it was just one of those, they, they had an opportunity and they took it. So. Gotcha. I mean, I'm looking at all this stuff here and to me, the signs are actually leading towards the Seahawks. If I had to guess, I'd say is that the Seahawks were petitioned or yelled at or whatever the case may be. They leaned on Cairo Radio. And the reason I think that is when you look at the indicators, the Dory Monson show is still on the air. And they keep saying there's people subbing in, which means the radio station wants to bring them back. If they didn't, they do what they did to the Ron and Don show. Gone. That's it. You know, on the air one day, off the air the next day no explanation, nothing, and just replace. But they keep having substitute hosts saying they're filling in for Dory. So whatever, I guess, repentance or whatever they want him to do is probably still being worked out. And it seems that the Seahawks, I think, fired him first or kicked him off the air first before Cairo Radio did. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. Sorry, my head's been I, my head's been so far in the weeds here that when you ask me a question, the, you're right. It's the Seahawks. It, first and foremost, it was the Seahawks. And, um, but, but I've been in the weeds so much that like, when you ask that question, I'm like, oh, it's deep, man. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to keep it all together and trying to keep 
I'm trying to keep over 7,500 people on task of trying to get Dory back on the air here. So, sure. so are you guys in touch with the station at all? Have you given a no. petition to the station? What do you, what yeah, are your, I've, we've, yeah, we have definitely been pestering them. Um, we got email campaigns going. We got, we've been floating, flooding the text lines. We've been reaching out to their sponsors. We have petitions. Um, the Facebook group is open. Um, so I'm like, I sent them an email personally. It was like, I tried to make sure to, so we wouldn't get lost in the shuffle. I was like, hey, I'm the owner. So take this one kind of serious. Not that they're not all serious and they don't all mean something. But I was like, come to our group, take a look. Oh, and here's a petition. Oh, and here's, by the way, we're also working at sponsors. And by the way, if you look at your at our group, you'll notice some of your sponsors are actually in said group. So, so yes, we've been in contact. The station has not been in contact with us for obvious reasons. I mean, it's it's the one thing with this group I've had to do is talk a lot of people down because they have been um, upset that other hosts haven't said anything, and it's just like people um, personnel issues. You. They cannot, and even if they do, they'll, if they do, they'll end up in the same boat as Dory. So we can't have that. And then they start getting mean and I have to try to chime in even more. I'm like, I'm like, don't, cause you don't know what they're, what's going on in that office. They might be like, let's save Dory here in themselves. But if they come onto our group and see that we're trashing them, then that's not helping our cause. I mean, so once again, the joys yeah, if you look at um, the Todd Herman show, I think it was Monday. I think it was Monday. He described exactly what's going on as best as he could because he has a contract obligation. And he was very clear about that. I actually recommend you guys just clip that and post it as a response anytime. Yeah, I should. That's what I should have done. Um, we, we did post that. But yes, I should have had that more of a as a simple first time first time running a major facebook group so <laughs> there's a little growing pains when you're trying to deal with so many people and then also then trying to moderate and whatnot so i totally understand one thing about dory monson is that dory wasn't the first host to have me on with the problems we were having at the jewish cemetery when the homeless were desecrating the place he was probably one of the last ones actually to have me on but he treated me like a friend he had me on and what's fascinating to me when he was bringing attention to this issue, there were so many other people in this group. When I went to look at this, Dory did this for me. Dory did that for me. And people posting, talking about these stories where he, he really fought for the little guy. That was his big thing. There's a woman named Abby London. I don't know if you saw her video that launched this morning oh, to save Dory. You know, she's made other videos for Dory before. She just likes to make these videos. She does these great songs and things like that. It seems like there's really this grassroots effort and I think you're being successful because otherwise they wouldn't keep the Dory Monson show on the air without the host. Yeah, I, no, I agree completely. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, not to divulge too much. I mean, one day when this is all said done, it'll have to be told because I mean, I'm getting information from all points. Some of it's true. Some of it's, it's been a wild ride, but it's one where it it's definitely, we're, we're definitely having an effect. Um, but yeah, I think Cairo probably just needed some time to truly get their ducks in a row because that, I mean, obviously it's Dory Monson we're talking about here. And if you're going to try to cut off Dory Monson, you're going to have to understand the pros and cons of that. So, um, and we're just trying to make a case of this is why it's, you're better off keeping Dory right now. It's better. It's going to be beneficial for everyone involved. 
an extreme idea for you and take it or leave it. You can't say this is a terrible idea. You're more in it than I am. But given what we just learned this week about the censorship of Facebook and Twitter of the New York Post article, which exposed the corruption inside the Biden family, let's call it, or the alleged corruption inside the Biden family, you might want to redouble your efforts publicly, put a little media ad buy behind it, social media ad buy, and link it to censorship and First Amendment rights. He said something, and it may be a good time to remind people of that because it's been a week since it happened. It may be a good time to remind people that censorship takes all forms. And as soon as you give into the mob, I wrote a letter to Cairo Radio. I said, if you give into the mob now, then they're going to come for Jason Rance. Then they're going to come for Todd Herman. Then they're going to come for everybody else on your network because they got to win here. And you're just one tweet away from losing all your top personality. You know, that's definitely a great idea. Um, something i think about. I have a I've been hearing that we get, we're going to have word here pretty soon about something. So um, I'll definitely reevaluate because um, we'll, because we'll, we might have word and you know what, it might be one of those things like other than just, just to get the general word out. I mean, the goal might be achieved. I mean, so we'll see. Um, but definitely it's a, I mean, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But I mean, the fact is that this is a grassroots ever and other than some lost sleep and, that's all I've put into it. I mean, I've, yeah, I don't, other than, other than my time, which I have plenty of at the moment is, um, is all I've invested. I mean, and I, for me, for me personally, I'm like, this is a great time. Unfortunately, I'm between jobs. Uh, so I'm like, I can't get canceled myself. And I got plenty of time to <laughs> plenty of time to, um, try to keep 70, 7,500 cats in, in, in a row in, focused on one thing. And there's probably a lot more people out there. What's the name of your Facebook group so people can check it out if they want to join it's the efforts? Simple, simple support Dory Monson. Piece of cake. Can't make it easier than that. Well, Matt, I hope you are heard next week on the Dory Monson show as the first guest back with Dory for all the efforts you're making to try and get him back in the air. We'll see. Hopefully. I mean, yeah. Right. I'm glad to help out and I'm glad to be on your show, Ari. Well, you stay in touch and we'll be back after a brief word from our sponsor. Welcome back to Canary in a Coal Mine. I am joined by my friend, Abby London, who you may recognize from her videos that always take pot shots at the Seattle City Council and other things which I enjoy immensely. But she recently has one that is advocating to bring back Dory Monson. I hadn't planned on doing a Save Dory episode, but all these people keep reaching out to me and going, why aren't you talking about Dory? Well, I message the station, I email the station stuff, but it seems like other people are doing a whole lot more. Abby, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So what inspired you to do this? Are you just a fan of Dory's? Do you know Dory? What's the reason you decide to do this? So I've been listening to Dory for maybe a couple of years. I'm, I'm fairly new. I was never a, a listener to that radio station. My boyfriend had it on in the truck and eventually it grew on me. And I ended up um, really, uh, sorry about that. I ended up just really um, being taken by him and his delivery. And he ended up playing a couple of my songs on his show. And it was so exciting because I was a huge fan at that point. And then he invited me on. So I have met him and I'm a huge fan of his and I love what he does for our community and how he speaks out for us. So I was like, I got to support him. Like he needs a little ditty. So I had to do it. 
So that's the interesting thing about Dory. It seems like everybody who listens to his show feels like they have a relationship with him because he does advocate for the little guy, for the people who go, holy cow, I can't believe he had me on his show. I can't believe he took my opinion. I can't believe he used my tweet, whatever it was. And so it seems like he's really built up a fan base aside from the big fan base from Cairo Radio because he talks to people like you, like me, things like that, and advocates for us. Yes, I totally agree. I I even have a friend who's... Uh, calls herself a liberal and she's like, he does stories that no one else will do. She's like, I know plenty of friends who are, you know, people who are liberal who are like, I, I'm so glad he heard my story. He, he talks to people that no one else will. And he takes on these stories that other people don't cover. So he's very valuable. Okay. So something is interesting is it seems that some people go, oh, it's just the, you know, the wokedivists getting upset that he put out this tweet. But you and a few others are pointing to some politicians that may have had a hand in getting him thrown off the air. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I walk through that in the song and I show some little tweets in this same area uh, that they have done. So there's a couple of city council people involved in this. One of them is Crystal Marks. She's city council in Burien and she doesn't like conservatives. She won't condemn violence against conservatives. She's got a long history of just saying not pleasant things. And then there's another guy who's on city council in Kimmore and his name is Nigel and him and Crystal are friends. And Nigel told Crystal about Dory's tweet and they're so proud of themselves for uh, causing Dory to get suspended and everything. And Crystal also serves on Seattle Pride. So I think that she saw that tweet, she twisted it to mean something bad, and then she used her position on Seattle Pride to, to go against Dory just because she doesn't like his politics. I uh, see, my theory is, is that they put pressure on the Seahawks. And then the Seahawks put pressure on Cairo because, and I mentioned this with another guest this week, something's interesting is that his show is still on the air, but there's people subbing in for Dory Monson. If they were going to kibosh him, they would have done like what they did to Ron and Don, and that would have been the end of the show. That would have been it. But his show is still on the air. So do you think that the Seahawks are the ones that really had a hand in this happening? Because it seems like they're trying to reach out to every woke activist that's out there with their you know, social justice nonsense. You're probably right. I'm not a football fan whatsoever. It's not interesting to me. So I, I don't have a strong like feeling about it. And that's fair. I like when people don't try to BS me and say, hey, I have no idea. That works for me. That's fine. So now that you've done this song, have you tried to send it to the radio station? Have you reached out to anybody at the radio station? Have you reached out to Dory? Have you been in touch with anybody with the song? Or are you just hoping it takes off on its own in the groups that are advocating for Dory to come back? I'm hoping it takes off on its own. I do know somebody at the station, but I don't want to put them in an awkward position. I, I could send it to them and just to be like, hey, look at this. And they would probably be like, sweet. I probably will, actually. Yeah, yeah, it seems to me that the people in the station are in a tough position because they have a contract with the radio station and you can't bash your employer. But what's most upsetting to me, you're an artist, right? And you're all about free speech, freedom of expression. You write your songs. 
And it seems to me that the people who advocate for free speech the most are the ones trying to take it away from other people. Does that trouble you as an artist? Yes, but I mean, further, I think it should trouble all of us because this could happen to anyone. You know, I actually talked about this with my vocal teacher. I sent her the video and she didn't know about any of this, but she's like, yeah, it's almost like you just have to be bland. Like you can't say anything strong at all or it will just snowball out of control. And it is troubling for, for artists, I think. And that's part of why I'm, I've got to stand up to this. Okay. Well, Abby, we're going to play your show right after this segment. So thank you so much for being with us. And I hope everybody enjoys Abby's song right here. There is a council member named Crystal in Burien. She disagrees with things Dory says because she likes Inslee and Antifa. And on Twitter, she calls cops pigs. She wants to help Inslee get reelected. She doesn't want Lauren Cole. She's been waiting for her moment. She's been wanting to shut Dory up. Now Crystal has a friend named Nigel. He's on a city council too. In Kenmore, Nigel saw Dory's tweet about Inslee and they made their dream come true. Crystal used her position with Seattle Pride to disguise she just disagrees with Dory politically. Then she called him a phobe in the Seattle Times, a paper that also endorses Jay Inslee. Free Dory. Free Dory, it's okay that he's voting for Colt. Free Dory, free Dory, tell Inslee to go on his show and also release the records about the unemployment scam to the public before the election. Free Dory, free Dory, no never bow to the mob. Free Dory. Free Dory, give him back both of his jobs. Free Dory, free Dory, cause cancel culture is wrong. Free Dory, sign the petition. <laughs> Tell Cairo and the Seahawks you want Dory back. <laughs> 